Welcome to this episode of the Cloud Sourcing Storytelling Podcast. In today's episode, host Julian Mitchell is joined by cloud experts David Rosen and Peter Sykes from Sony to address the key challenges that media companies, producers, and operators meet when looking to deploy the cloud. Welcome to the Cloud Sourcing Storytelling Podcast. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sony's Cloud Sourcing Storytelling and slightly different one uh, today uh, as we're as we're looking back at the series as, as a bookend to all the episodes and some of the um, some of the questions that have come up from those episodes and from all the different genres that we've looked at and uh, we have a couple of Sony experts here to to fill in the gaps that we found uh, the knowledge gaps we found um david david rosen is he's going to talk to us about security in the cloud obviously the importance of that on some of the questions that people have from from in the field production and all the way up the chain and and we can chat about that because it's obviously immensely important and it's one of the questions that many people ask when they first think about deploying some cloud technology. Um, so David, what kind of questions are you getting about security from the most basic to maybe some of the more complex questions? Uh, it's top of mind for everybody when they're you know planning a, a move or dipping a toe in the cloud. Um, and you know you'll hear everything from how can I be sure that content that is not under my direct control, literally that I can reach out and touch the server. How can I be sure that that is safe? Um, so something as broad as that, <clears throat> that one I find to be a little easier to answer, um, than others. Now, granted, it wasn't that easy a decade ago, uh, a decade ago, it was rather difficult. Um, but I think people's, uh, perspectives on, uh, the public cloud providers, at least has changed significantly, mainly because of the, the significant uptake and, and, you know, how many companies have actually moved there. Uh, but the way I like to sort of explain it is cloud is really nothing more than a location where servers sit. Now, granted, it's a lot more than that. There's, there's a lot more that goes into it, but at the end of the day, it's servers sitting somewhere. Now it just so happens that somebody else is managing those servers on your behalf, right? So if you think about it from that perspective and you ask yourself the question, well, why would cloud versus on-prem be intrinsically more or less secure? It's a difficult thing to answer, right? Um, because at the end of the day, could be the exact same hardware sitting in two different locations with perfectly equal resources managing them, right? And the same security policies apply to them. So from that perspective, neither on-prem nor cloud is intrinsically better or worse from a security standpoint. Um, and that sort of gets people thinking, okay, well, maybe the cloud isn't some magical place in the sky where things happen differently because they really don't. Um, but where I think there's a, a significant, um, advantage that these public cloud providers bring to the table as a benefit to consumers and customers is the fact that their entire business depends on the security of that infrastructure. This is different than a media company whose entire business is on creating and distributing fantastic, engaging content. That's a media company's core competency and core business proposition. A public cloud provider, their core competency is not who's making the, the greatest, you know, 
original episode, although you can say that Amazon has sort of gone in that business a little bit. Um, but from an AWS perspective, for instance, or a Amazon uh, Azure, Google Public Cloud, um, their core competency is selling or renting uh, cloud-based infrastructure to customers. And if they don't have their client base's confidence that that content is secure or that their applications are secure, they have no business. So as a result, they cumulatively invest many, many billions of dollars every year in securing that infrastructure. They invest in a level that any, I don't care which public company you are, that cloud is not your primary business proposition, you just can't invest that amount of money. Um, so, you know, that to me puts a big check mark in the pros and cons of public cloud is knowing that a company is investing billions of dollars to protect against an ever increasing number of threats that uh, are new and they come in different shapes and sizes. Some are state actors, others are uh, little 13 year olds that pull scripts off the dark web and like to run them against things, but they're constantly protecting against those things. And that's a challenge in and of itself. Never mind whether or not you are, you know, uh, provisioning the right number of servers for your application. Like that's something everybody has to deal with regardless, but just making sure that those uh, servers and those services that you're consuming are well protected is uh, an ever increasing challenge, no matter who you are. So <clears throat> I'll pause for a second and maybe switch gears to um, what are some of the other sort of confidence building uh, things that one could say to simply questioning uh, whether or not they should move to the cloud. Uh, at the end of the day, there's uh, the infrastructure that you're gonna run your applications on. And if you look at public cloud or on-prem, you're gonna be providing that base hardware, right? That we're gonna be running software and services on. Public cloud providers are responsible for the security of that base level infrastructure, right? Just like if a media company was running a private data center, they would have a group of individuals who are responsible for securing the, the hardware, right? Ensuring that security patches are applied, uh, making sure that the latest firmware is updated, et cetera. Um, always scouring to make sure that there aren't any vulnerabilities that have been announced that you need to address. Uh, so that has to happen regardless. And so from a cloud perspective, that is the cloud provider's responsibility. However, if you go up a level, if somebody wants to build an application on top of the cloud, a public cloud provider, AWS or Azure or Google, uh, Oracle, they're going to give you the tools to secure your application, but your application is not magically secure because you happen to put it in the cloud. You have to take the same or sometimes slightly different precautions in order to secure that application as you would if you were creating that directly in uh, your own data center. So, you know, this means that I can't just create an application that's going to let people drop files into a, a public cloud storage bucket and assume, oh, well, it's in the public cloud storage bucket, so it's got to be secure. We've all heard stories about, uh, and you hear much less of this now because I think people got shamed of it, is uh, people putting a, a what's called a, a bucket, uh, making it available and not having any security around it. It's public. And as a result, people went in and grabbed it and they spread it out on the web. Uh, and you know that was one of the things that sort of deteriorated some trust in the cloud in early days. <laughs> and I think the cloud providers did a pretty good job of saying, listen, this is terrible that it happened, but uh, we give you the tools necessary 
to ensure that that bucket is secure. Uh, in this instance, unfortunately, this particular, uh, in this instant, in this incident, the customer did not apply those. They didn't put it into a, a VPC. They didn't have the proper access controls, et cetera. Um, but aside from that, uh, other questions that could be asked are, you know, do I get the same degree of security that I would get if I was on-prem? And the answer is, it's up to you, right? There's a certain level of, of uh, security that's gonna come out of the box, but that application level security is uh, gonna be up to whoever's deploying that. If you go up one more level from uh, infrastructure to application layer, uh, you can have a software as a service vendor, right? So in software as a service, the vendor in this case is responsible not only for the underlying infrastructure in which you know they're depending on third party, a public cloud provider, but they're also responsible for the security of the application layer. And you know this is where if, depending on where you are in your journey, you don't wanna build and manage your own applications, but you still wanna leverage the cloud, uh, looking for a, a SaaS provider, software as a service provider, could be an excellent way for you to um, take advantage of, of the flexibility and scalability that the cloud offers. That's pretty clear. But also from what you say, um, people experimenting or taking the first journey into cloud technology need to be quite sure they have an adequate skill set of their own or knowledge beyond what is what everybody has. They can't just, from your example, they can't just think that it'll, it's, it's a silver bullet that's gonna, it's gonna act for them straight away. So it behoves them to know something about what they're doing and, and maybe push their providers as much as they can to give them that knowledge or find out for themselves. I couldn't agree more, Julian. That's, uh, that's imperative. And, you know, we, we saw some people stumble early on, um, by assuming that the skill set that they had on prem was going to suit them in the cloud. It's certainly a great starting point, um, but you know I would highly encourage any media organization uh, who is considering the cloud to invest heavily in training. Um, and you know the public cloud providers are very happy to provide that. Uh, they know that with increased training uh, comes increased adoption. And so I know oftentimes when companies are evaluating public cloud. Uh, those public cloud providers will provide free training credits. Now they'll bring people on site. They've got uh, excellent courses and in fact now certifications that one can apply for. Uh, just like you could, you know, back in the day when you wanted to get certified on Windows, for instance, or on Unix uh, or networking technologies, same types of things exist today. And that's crucial. Uh, I would definitely recommend anybody um, looking to, to start their journey to the cloud first takes a, a hard look at uh, what skill set they're going to need in order to be successful. And, uh, all these, all these billions that you, you mentioned are being invested. Does this, does this filter down to more production based, um, situation scenarios where we're talking about media and cameras, for instance, and the encouragement to maybe use some of the newer a camera to cloud technology. I'm sure that is going to grow hugely. And but the, if you're talking about single owner operator, the very basic level of of production, uh, to to assure them that someday you'll be without even your media card. I mean that is maybe something that will happen. I'm sure it will for some people. 
Uh, but maybe there's a bigger gap there than there is at the higher end you know, on-prem and on that world. It's a really good question. Um, you look at the the very large uh, media organizations, so the BBC or an ITV or something like that, um, or Warner Brothers Discovery here in the US, um, You know, they're heavily uh, using the cloud for various different uh, workflows. And they had a massive security organization and a massive IT organization that helps manage that, monitor that, and look forward to talking about cost controls, which is a key part of this as well. You know, they've got people that are doing that. Uh, if you're an independent operator and you know, you've know you got a couple of cameras and, and your focus is on creating beautiful content and, and helping either your client or your own production, whatever you're creating, you, know, you don't have that skill set. And more importantly, you don't have a bevy of employees behind you that can do those things. Um, so you know, I, I don't know that uh, it's a silver bullet for those folks. Uh, but there are SaaS applications that do take a lot of the um, sort of heavy lifting that unfortunately those owner operators still have to do, you know, on a smaller scale, such as, you know, how am I managing all of this content that I'm shooting? You know, do I have a, a lot of hard drives sitting on my shelf? Uh, you know, when it rains, do I worry about those getting wet? Um, do I have to transfer content from hard drive to hard drive every few years because I want to make sure that it doesn't decay on disk? Now, these are things that they're still having to deal with, just not on the same scale. So from that perspective, I think, you know, having a, a public cloud solution that is managing you know, the security of that content, not only in transit, as you mentioned, from directly from camera, which is a, a wonderful story, but then once it lands as well, you know, is it backed up? Can I, you know, in a cost-effective way, store that um, and be sure that it's going to be there in a year, two years, three years. I think there are definitely benefits uh, from that perspective to the to the smaller operators. Yeah, and obviously there we're talking about both sides or both ends. Sorry, and there's a lot of in the middle that maybe have more expertise uh, than the uh, owner operators that we talk about. And and, and it's interesting you talked about uh, the onus on the actual cloud providers. And um, where is that balance right now? Is it is it because it's taken off so quickly? Uh, we have all these companies offering these training schemes. Is the balance on them at the moment to to prove the technology and and with this maybe sometimes free training um, to back it up with that um, because it's growing so fast, or is it is it all about the companies hungry for the cloud tech and the, and and they're just looking for the right provider where where is it not a wild west so much as where is that happening what's happening right now about that between those two so to make sure i understood the question um where where's the responsibility lie between yeah. you know, the, the consumer right. versus the public cloud provider on in, on convincing or or having confidence in the security in the cloud is that the question yeah it, it's so new that I think that's some, whenever we have this amazing technology like this, uh, it's a little bit of a dance here and there and, and everybody's feeling their way through it. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, you know, and the interesting thing is it's definitely new to some folks, uh, but it, cloud has been in use for longer than any of us probably even realized, right? Um, I mean, how many of us has, have been using Gmail uh, or, you know, a similar type of email account? That's all in the cloud. It's, Managed service, software as a service. All I do is log in. I don't think about who's running it. Um, 
And then, you know, you could go even further and say, well, what about some of these consumer applications like Dropbox or Box.com or something else? Again, these are all cloud-based um, and uh, we don't think about any of that. When you start moving into the professional side, um, more B2B type businesses, we've all been watching Netflix for, uh, what, 15 years, maybe more now? <laughs> That's 100% the cloud. Um, so from a distribution standpoint, cloud has been powering that for many, many years now. Um, I've been part of Sony a long time and I've I can, you know, remember uh, 15 years ago, uh, a cloud-based solution that we were offering. Uh, it was early days um, and boy, imagine convincing people back then that uh, the cloud was a safe place to put your content. That wasn't quite so easy, um, but it has become easier now as a result of those people that originally did sort of, you know, um, uh, find their way first and improve some of those workflows. Um, so that said, it has been around a long time, but what we are seeing now is it, it is moving in you know, as you mentioned at the top of this, upstream, not just from distribution where it's been around for longer, but upstream into content creation. And, you know, there are people there that work, especially in the broadcast side, very tight timeline, timelines, very small margin for error. And they are rightly concerned about making a change like that. And you can imagine somebody uh, who is responsible for broadcast speed no longer having control of that broadcast speed and something else going to air that they don't want to be. So, Clearly, and, and I think, uh, you know, they're being responsible about being uh, a bit cautious and, and going in this direction in some cases. Um, so all that to say, um, I think there's a pretty well-worn path now um, for those that want to seek it to determine whether or not uh, cloud is going to meet their security needs. Uh, I think it's it's going to be um, a, a joint responsibility. On one hand, I think that the, um, the controls and the protocols are there. Uh, to give people the appropriate amount of confidence that cloud can meet their security needs. But at the same time, you know, people are going to want to see it for themselves. And so they're going to talk to uh, other people in their industry. They're going to see what they're doing. There are lots of case studies that people can look at now. Um, and yeah, yeah, from my opinion, I think it's going to take a little bit of selling on the cloud side and it's going to take a little of believing on the consumer side. And this podcast as well is full of information and case studies like that. So you can always listen to this again. Uh, just one more point. Um, the Sony Creator Cloud, um, that's pretty new. Uh, and, and to me, that is potentially massive. Uh, and with, with SaaS services on it as well, which I'm sure are going to happen, there's already, there's already ways to uh, stabilize footage that you send up and, and stuff like that. So that has amazing potential. Where do you see that going in short term? That's a, that's a very exciting area for Sony. Um, so, you know, it's funny you mentioned, I think at the early um, part of this podcast, someday we just may have a, a sensor in our hand, no, no card and everything's just going to go straight to the cloud. Who knows? We may get there at some point. Uh, I think Peter's going to talk a little bit about connectivity here and some of the challenges to get from, you know, here to there, but, um, but there's a path, uh, there's a path there for sure. So Creators Cloud is interesting. Creators Cloud, the intention is to connect Sony's fantastic cameras with the cloud, right? And what's the what's the end benefit? Well, well, one is seamless ability to have content be put into a location where I can now do other things with it. I don't necessarily have to copy it off of the camera, from the camera to a hard drive or a computer, and then uh, use a different solution. I can have that content go directly from my camera up into secure storage uh, where I can then do various things with it. So I can... Uh, 
I can use an, an application called MasterCut, which I think will be available globally soon. Right now it's available in various countries uh, that is going to allow me to do a number of things like you mentioned, um, audio normalization, image stabilization. I mean, that's pretty great, right? I mean, I send that content up and I can have that done near automatically with, uh, with a few clicks. And then I can take the output of that and, and incorporate it into my edit. Um, similarly, we have another application in Creators Cloud called C Media Cloud, which is all about collaboration, helping individuals and teams uh, work together with uh, each other and with their external clients, provide feedback, again, fully in the cloud using a web browser. Uh, and there's only going to be more applications that, uh, that we're enabling uh, within Creators Cloud over time. So really think of it as an extension of the camera. Um, and the intention is really how can we reduce the distance between uh, capturing content and uh, working on that content? Or sometimes we like to say it eliminates or tries to, to eliminate or at least reduce the distance between production and post-production. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's see what Peter has to say about connectivity because all theoretically it's fantastic, but if you actually can't get there, there's a problem. Um, Peter, you wanted to talk Sony's way of using 5G. Is that a good place to start in connectivity? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, connectivity obviously is a, it's a massive area with a lot of interest. And, um, you know, if you're a user, if you're a journalist or a cinematographer, filmmaker, we're in live production, you know, keeping in mind that you have these great cloud-based tools that are that are uh, emerging and being developed, then connectivity is a big part of that. You know, we, we were all faced a couple of years ago with this dreadful situation where everybody immediately became remote and organizations, including ours, had to, you know, connect up sometimes thousands of people to the tools that they'd been used to working on, you know, in their office on a day-to-day -day basis. And many of those are cloud-based tools. So we face the same the same challenge, and then we also have that challenge. Then you know what happens when all this goes away? Well, people didn't you know generally one hundred percent go back to their offices. So that connectivity requirement is still is still there as well, and it depends on the application uh, in some respects because the users that we are talking to and listening to every day they all have different requirements. So. Um, a news journalist will have some very specific speed-based requirements to get content to the cloud and shared around and on air, you know, very, very quickly. It may be different from a film crew who may be working on, you know, proxy-based workflow where they're connecting from their cameras and sending lower resolution files to an editorial team that are then making decisions and then connecting back to the camera and pulling off the, um, pulling down the um, the high resolution files so it is a it is a fascinating area and with you know recently de recent developments specifically you mentioned 5g there are a lot of eyes on this as well to look at you know how to you know make the best of the emerging technologies and some of the benefits that uh, we'll see will come over time so specifically with 5g it's very tempting just to think about the speed aspect and the data capacity of, of, of the link but there are other uh, other benefits in terms of improvements in latency, which can be very important if you're connecting content into a, um, a SaaS cloud switcher, for example, and you're switching between different cameras in a live environment. So that could be quite important. And you've got this massive connectivity as well, where you can connect 
you know, the promise is to connect many, many devices together. And media companies attending the sweet spot tends to be between the data, the data capacity and the latency performance. And that's where we're seeing a lot of work from individual companies to investigate this and also from industry consortia, which um, in some respects are looking to make sure the voice of media is heard within the standardization process for all these new technologies, but also to look at what comes out of those, those industry bodies and how they can use them in a, in a media environment. So for Sony, the last kind of year to 18 months has been really, really exciting. We, we started to look at developments in connectivity in 5G before the pandemic, and we, we had some very uh, well-documented case studies that came out of, uh, of Europe and also in the United States. And then lockdown happened and you know, we, we couldn't get out and you know, continue some of this work. But the engineers in the lab continue to, to work to develop uh, solutions and technologies. And we've been able to bring those now out, show them at the exhibitions, NAB and IBC, and then take them into real world proof of concept. So 5G is a, an area where there is a huge amount of interest and a lot of media companies well, all media companies are on their own, their own roadmaps, but some of them have this technology right at the heart of their strategic direction, and they're looking, you know, to partner with with companies who are, you know, uh, similar minded. I mean, obviously, potentially fantastic, but it depends where you are filming, for instance, in the world. Uh, we had a very good discussion from some wildlife uh, cinematographers and producers who have been just checking hard drives, doubling hard drives up. And that's as far as they've got because they're in the middle of, you know, a desert or whatever. But I mean, their case is extreme. And I suppose networks have to catch up with that location or that kind of location and perhaps never will. But do you have anything for them? And 5G wise, do you think there's anything for, for, um, the wildlife guys? Well, I think there's two ways to look at that is, is to look at the developments within the public networks, mobile network operators, and also what's happening in the private space. Um, we've had some good examples of work in quite remote locations with private network operators. And you know, th these are not going to be in every, every location, of course. You know, if you go to the middle of a desert, it's probably going to be a tough ask to pop something up unless you're there for a long time where... You know, if you're there for many, many months, it might be worth might be worth doing that, and and then also looking at other links as well. And then on the public network side, you know, does that does the public network that you're usually dealing with do they have a five G service? Do they have a standalone five G service where they can offer slicing? And in many cases, this is really coming step by step. So on the private network side, there is the opportunity to use some of the technologies that we've been looking at in terms of quality of service. We've done some very high priority proof of concepts around that. And um, the mobile network operators as well, they're all on their roadmaps um, and they will implement uh, you know, on a step-by-step -step basis. But there are some cases where you know, it it's, might not be feasible to have that kind of connectivity and then you'd be looking at some, some other kind of uh, connection back to your cloud services. Or something like Starlink, which is obviously another extreme case, but... Um, they were talking about that kind of activity, which they see as an option as that price comes down for for that service. Yeah, I mean, all, all options are, are being considered. You know, media companies and documentary filmmakers looking for 
any any way of getting their their content back in a secure way, as David said, back to their uh, their editorial teams. All right. Well, you mentioned the magic word there, costs. So, which is the the last subject we're going to uh, look at. Um, now, David, give us some idea of of something from the Creator Cloud, which you talk about, which I think is you can join for free, and then maybe uh, there's some paid for options on there. You'll have to tell me if that's true or not. I'm not sure. Up to uh, more broadcast types of um, production and beyond that. Um, what are the questions and answers that you're giving people about costs? I mean, we don't want figures. We just want to see what your customers uh, are asking you. The, the people that want to uh, get their work done, they're less concerned about the cost, but the people that they have to put their budgets in front of, they do care. Um, so, you know, they'll oftentimes get very excited about the technology and you get into a procurement cycle and, you know, somebody will say, well, what do you mean? I don't know exactly how much it's going to cost. Uh, so, you know, that's feedback that at Sony, we got pretty early, uh, when we launched our first SaaS service, we thought, um, you know, a little bit naively that, uh, the largest media organizations in the world, were going to love that, that the same benefits that, you know, the smallest independence got, which is you only pay for what you used. And while that's fantastic, um, and it logically makes sense, it is difficult to budget against. And, you know, large media organizations especially have, you know, very prescribed budgeting, uh, windows and, uh, requirements. And, you know, there was a time when they couldn't even account appropriately for, um, taking something that was a capital expenditure and moving it to an operating expense because it blew up their entire balance sheet and their financials. Um, and they didn't have a way to really deal with that. And they had to be able to, um, know, have the same way that they can talk about results in this quarter that now that they're using cloud that they could on previous quarters. And that was a challenge. That took a little while to get through. Um, but now I think that, uh, you know, accounting um, has kind of come up to, to speed with how this can be done. Um, but that was one challenge early on was uh, people wanting to have a, a better idea of exactly what they're going to spend. So, um, I guess I would say uh, two things. If you're looking to build applications on the cloud, um, make sure that you've got a, a, a it's called a FinOps team um, that is responsible for monitoring everything that you're consuming. Um, and you know, in public cloud, everything is so incredibly granular. Oftentimes, build by you know by the byte or by the minute, and um, you know, there's different costs based on you know which sizes of it. Uh, compute instances you're using or which types of storage you're using. So whereas, you know, it gives you incredible flexibility, it also requires, you know, you to be pretty astute and and on top of what you're sending in any, any given point in time. Um, so from that perspective, uh, make sure you've got the right people in place and the controls in place uh, to be able to keep an eye on that. When it comes to SaaS services, I think from a consumer standpoint, uh, it's a little bit easier. When I say consumer, I mean a customer. I don't necessarily mean like a you know, somebody with a, a camera that's taking pictures of their kids' soccer games, uh, which we love those people too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but media organizations, right? Um, that uh, when you're consuming a SaaS service, a lot of all of those kind of granular costs get rolled up into something that is much more tangible and um, uh and uh, understood 
by somebody. So, you know, it could be if I'm I'm doing a live production, it's the number of hours that I'm actually, you know, have a, a feed going through. If it's, um, you know, I'm reviewing dailies, it's, you know, the amount of either content I'm reviewing or the people that are are uh, reviewing that, depending on the SaaS models, uh, SaaS providers pricing model, that's a lot easier to get my, my head, head around, right? So the idea of these spiraling costs, which I will admit that is a serious consideration for anybody who is building on cloud. It's a serious consideration for Sony. Like we have a team, we're running thousands of servers every single day and they go up, they go down, we're using different services. Um, we have a whole team which is monitoring that and are our costs going up, if not, um, you know, are there new instances that we could take advantage of that will be, you know, um, more cost effective for us? That is in and of itself requires a, a certain amount of acumen and oversight. But for a SaaS provider, it's, you know, some, some are number of hours that I'm going to be streaming through your service. Others could be number of users that are going to be accessing the service. Um, some uh, like CMedia Cloud is based on the amount of content that's being uploaded and downloaded. Uh, and again, those are much more understood by people that are dealing with it. So um, I guess what I would say to somebody who said, how can I be sure that costs aren't going to go out of control? I would say the same thing I would say if they were looking at an on-premise solution, and that is, tell me what your um, expected scale is going to be. If you can tell me what your scale is, I can tell you what your costs are going to be. If you have no idea what your scale is going to be, then I can give you a range. It can be this on the low end, or if it, it could be this on the high end high end, but it's pretty linear. So you can give people pretty clear understanding of what those costs are. When they get to know, when you when you explain that to them, do their do their um expectations change when they start using the service? Do they say, Well, can we buy a chunk or can we can we have a this product? Do they negotiate? Is that is that something you come across? People people love to negotiate. And it makes sense. Like n that doesn't change. I wish I could tell you that. Yeah, if you use the cloud, negotiation goes away, and it's you know it's like buying a Tesla. There's one price, and you don't get to talk about it. Uh, it hasn't quite happened that way. Um, but uh, people still negotiate. And you brought up a really good point. Um, so, example, one of our SaaS services, C Media Cloud, uh, is charged not based on user. You can have literally a thousand, hundred thousand, a million users. It's not going to change your price, but your price is going to depend on how much content is coming into the service and going out of the service. Um, and that means that it can vary. One month, they could be high and one month, it could be low. So to your point, people have said, listen, not good. Accounting doesn't like it. Finance can't, you know, have uncertainty. So can we buy a chunk? It's a good word. We call it a pre-purchase block um, of usage. And they can say, I'm going to buy, let's say a, a petabyte worth of upload and download for a year. Uh, and it doesn't matter when you use it, but as a result, you're going to get a lower price. So we do stuff like that every day. Yeah. I can see that would work for some people definitely without worrying about, you know, charges here and there and what you've explained. What, what about you, Peter? What's your experience with with costs in, in, in this world? Have you come across these kind of negotiations yourself? Yeah. People are always talking about costs and trying to work out, you know, for any activity, even if it's a proof of concept, you know, and something has to be developed to run that proof of concept, it costs money. And there's usually a discussion around that and a negotiation um, in, in all activities. Um, I think in terms of connectivity, people are looking, you know, they're, they're coming from a, a position where they have a, an existing workflow, they've got an existing connectivity 
that they w- they will use, and they're always looking for a benefit from from moving to something else. Is it is it lower cost? If so, we're interested. If it's not lower cost, is something else being offered that kind of offsets that requirement? You know, we talked to earlier on about latency. If I can improve my latency, and I have a technology that can re- you know replace an existing technology that I've had installed for many years. You know, let's have a look at that. So it's not all, it's not always about cost. There is, if you can send a camera operator into the field and it becomes much easier to set up the camera and you don't need so much engineering support, if the connectivity to the, to the cloud is, it makes it easier for the operator, then maybe the cost can be, can be saved somewhere else. Maybe you don't send so many people out onto the location, for example. So cost is always, always very important, but what do they say? Make it cheaper better faster choose two or something isn't it like that and there's always a balance to be made i would say now we're going through the not the pains but the the process of of cloud technology presumably in the next few years all these worries would have gone there'd be other worries other other things to uh build and and use where are we say in five years time where's sony very i mean it looks like as a cloud technology company, um, you progress to a, a major force for media. Is that where you think Sony will be? So Sony, we develop products and solutions for customers. So the thing that we have to keep an eye on is where the customers are going. And actually, in terms of, um, we were at, at an event the other day with a lot of CTOs of organizations listening to their strategic priorities. And it's quite clear that they've got they've got a lot on their plates. You know, they've, they've got new competition is coming along. Streaming services are proliferating. Um, they've got technologies, cloud, IP, imaging, five G, AI. I mean, the AI um, developments, even over the last twelve months, has been spectacular, really. And they have to navigate a media organisation through this incredibly difficult landscape. And I think one of the things that they that they, they they kind of need and they report is that they need to be flexible and they need to be able to, in some cases, just react to what's happening. You know, you would hope to be ahead of the curve, but in a lot of cases, you're reacting to technologies that are hitting immediately. So flexibility is the key. Um, being able to adapt and 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 um, migrate your 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 technical infrastructure. Sure. And finally, David, what do you think? It's a you know little bit of future gazing, I suppose, about where Sony's cloud solutions generally will be in, in a few years' time. Um, I mean, what Peter Peter mentions is amazing problems everybody's got, but retaining staff and, and we talked about in a previous podcast about clubs becoming broadcasters, you know, football, soccer clubs and and the hugely growing um, in, the, in the States, obviously, as well. Hugely growing trend, um, but where's where's Sony going to be? Obviously, supporting new technologies, but a major cloud media company, I would think. Yeah, uh, we would like to like to think so. We're certainly working our our hardest to to make that true. Uh, I think Peter was very articulately describing the challenges that uh, that our customers are having, and, and Sony is. I think we've been we're eighty eighty over 80 years old at this point. And we are 
that old because we do what Peter said, and that is we listen to customers and we we make sure that we're providing the solutions that they want. Um, you know, we're not necessarily ones to to jump to the left or the, to the right, um, you know, and, and say, hey, come over here. Uh, but we're very, uh, very attentive to, you know, where we see the market going. And, you know, we spend a, a lot of time, um, a lot of time talking with customers to understand not only, you know, what challenges do they have today, but where, where are they going to have those, where do they see those challenges in the future? So we've invested heavily um, into uh, cloud uh, in a very big way. And we have our first SaaS solution was launched in 2013. So we've been at this for over a decade now. Uh, and uh, we've been getting better and stronger. We've got customers that span literally the largest media organizations in the world, all the way down to those independents that you talked about. So we literally have customers that will go and um, will swipe a credit card and they get access to the same technology that the largest media organizations have. Um, so our goal is to empower those creators, whatever size they are, um, to have the technology they need to really live out their vision. Um, and we think cloud's an important part of that because uh, it democratizes in a certain sense um, access to the tools that creators need. Uh, we're really excited about where we're going, the applications that we're building. Uh, we think our customers are too. Um, and yeah, there's definitely a lot more to come. Well, thanks so much uh, for your uh for your chat today um and i hope that fills in some gaps that have floated up from the other podcasts uh, plenty of information there and and thanks again gentlemen for, for your time today cheers mm-hmm.